How many of you like school supplies? You like a good, fresh notebook? A nice, a pen that writes good? Mm-hmm. Post-its? Mm-hmm. I love office supplies and school supplies. Um, Leo, my youngest, loves office supplies and school supplies. When he was little, one year for Christmas, my dad just got him a box full of like paper clips and a stapler and post-its and pins and the most random office supplies. And it was the favorite thing he got that year. There's just something special about some fresh office supplies and school supplies, right? They make you feel like you're a little bit maybe on top of your game, even if you're not. <laughs> like a fresh planner when you're like, look at me making plans. Hope I can find this three days from now. But there's just something about that fresh start for the year. And if you are what I call a schoolite, meaning that your life revolves around school, whether you're a teacher or student or even parents to an extent, August is your new year. January is a break for a minute and it's just cold and you're praying for snow, but August is your new year. It's back to school. It's a fresh start. It's new classes. It's new students. It's new supplies. It's new routines. It really is the start of a new year. And so today I want us to just get ready for a new year because even if you're not going back to school can anybody agree that maybe it would, you would just kind of like maybe a new season and a fresh season in life? Whether tomorrow is the first day of school for you or just an ordinary Monday, you can have a fresh season. And so I want to just really quickly today, I'm going to go over some basic back to school supplies for all of us. This is not a complicated message today. It's just some good reminders. Some of these verses aren't on the screen. I'm just going to kind of read over them. And your handout we're going to get to here in a little bit. One of my favorite school supplies is a planner. I bought one this year. I thought it was cute. It's too small. It's not going to work. And I have to get a new one. And um, I'm not sad about that. I mean, let's be real. I like a good planner. But a planner is important. Now, lots of people use their phones. Um, On our church staff, we have this... um, this separation, I shall say. There are the people who try to keep a calendar on their phone, and they keep sending us invites on our phones to attend meetings. And then there's me and Haley. And if it's not written on paper, it doesn't matter how many times our phone dings. We don't know why our phone is dingy. We don't know where that dinging came from. We don't know what that means. I mean, I accept the invites when they come in. But that doesn't mean I'm, they're, they're committed. They're, they're in my phone. They're not in my brain. So some of us are paper planners, right? We write things down. It's got to be written down. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. Some people keep things in their phones. But the reality is, if you're over the age of 25, if you don't have a way to record your plans, you will not be there. Those of you over 25, do you remember the first time that happened to you when you didn't write something down because you've never had to write things down? And then everybody was like, where were you yesterday? And you were like, yesterday? What was yesterday? Because you, and then there's that moment where you're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I can't just think I'm going to remember something and remember it. We have to have a way 
to put our plans down on paper. This is practical side note for today for your school supplies. Making a plan is biblical. Now, you may not think that making that plan for a meeting on Tuesday is biblical, but in a sense, it is. Habakkuk 2.2 says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. He, You've got to, like God knew, I can't just tell these people these things. They've got to be able to go back and look at it, Right? Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. One of the things I want to tell you about going into a new season, and this is practical, but this is real. And, and, And here's the thing that I'm learning in my life is that you just have to keep reminding yourself of the basics over and over and over again. I mean, we can, we can pull the Bible apart. We can talk from all different angles. But there's some basics that we've got to know. And one thing is, is you got to write it down. God wrote down his plan and his vision for us so that we could always have it and see it. And when we are seeking God for a plan for our lives... We need to begin to write things down. I can't encourage you of this enough. I am the queen of starting a notebook, not getting halfway through, deciding I don't like that one and starting a new one. But I have all of those half-written notebooks. And even recently, this summer, I was cleaning out a room and I found a notebook. And in it, I had written down some things about my children. Some verses that at that point in time, God had given me that I was praying over them. And some specific things. And it was just a reminder to me of what God was speaking to me at that point in my life. And how it is still holding true today. This is basic and this is simple. But I want to encourage you today, even if this is not a practice that you've ever had before. Begin to write down what you are believing God for. Begin to make the plan. If you are believing God for a relationship to come to fruition in a healthy way, write that down and then begin as you read the word of God, begin to write verses down along with that prayer that you can pray over it. Begin to make the vision for your life plain so that as you are running, you may have it with you. It's simple, but making a written plan for your life is something that is Really important to have that tangible reminder. I know it's basic. The next school supply that is essential is a thesaurus. Proverbs 18.7 says, The mouth of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Proverbs 17.27 says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. You know, a thesaurus helps you find a better word for what you're trying to say. But the thing is, you have to pause, look it up, and find the right word. And the word of God is reminding us is here is that sometimes when we have a thought, we should pause. And with restraint on our words. 
Listen, one of the best things that we can do if we are trying to walk into a new season is guard our mouth and our words. Put some restraint on it. And and here's the thing. I'm not just talking about not saying bad things anymore. Like you can write down, don't say bad words anymore. That's good, right? But you know, one of the things that we have to begin to do is remember that we don't have to share everything with everybody. That we can begin to protect what God is speaking to us and not share it with those who may not be trustworthy at this time and place. Remember this word says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. That means pulling back some, waiting, restraining. Restraining doesn't mean preventing from going forward. It just means holding back for a time. And so as we're going into this fresh season, listen, if you are believing God for something new in your life, I encourage you to choose your words with restraint. Speak life over situations and not death. Choose carefully who you share with, what you are believing for. Guard your lips. Because remember what that verse says that I just read, the mouths of fools are their undoing. And their lips are a snare to their very lives. Your words can solve problems or it can make problems. And so if we go into this fresh season with this idea that I'm going to run my words through this thesaurus of God's word and I'm going to find the right way to say what I need to say and I'm going to restrain and pull back when I don't need to, but I'm going to choose wisely. Young people, teenagers, and old people, because let me tell you something, there's this mix. Nobody is smart on social media. Not young people, not old people. Both think the other one are clueless. They are not. Everybody makes mistakes here. What you say on social media is still the words of your mouth. If you type it, it's coming from your mouth. I don't know if anybody else ever sent a text message and then read it back and then immediately sent. That doesn't, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to, right? Because how many of you, you know, we can, we read a text in our head with the voice we think it's spoken with, right? So one thing that we have to understand is it's not just the words spoken from our mouth audibly. The words we type, the words we put out into this world, those are still the words of our mouth. And we have to use restraint. Gosh, isn't this so simple and basic? Do you know most people know what school supplies to get every year, but a teacher still makes a list because when you head to Kroger or Walmart without your list, you will forget crayons, even though you know that every year you need to buy crayons. If it's not on your list, you will forget it. So here's the thing I know. We all know that we should watch our words and that we should write down our vision. But sometimes we need a reminder And so this is a reminder today. Here is your school supply list. You are desiring to enter a new season. Write down what you want God to do in your life. Write down what you're believing for and praying for. And then begin to guard those prayers and those dreams and those goals. Begin to guard your mouth when it comes to that. Don't speak words of death. Don't put yourself. Don't undo what God wants to do with your mouth. This is the basics that we need. 
One more is an eraser. An eraser. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Listen, if you're going into a fresh season today, please know that's a moment that you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. He remembers your sins no more. They are erased. There may still be consequences that you walk out and live in your life, but the weight of shame and the burden of sin is forever erased. It says, I remember it no more. And so as we go into a new season, sometimes it can be so hard to let go of all the things we feel like are coming with us, right? But he erases it. And on that same note, in Matthew 18, 21 and 22, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter probably thought he was being real liberal there. He was like, look at me, seven whole times. I'm being real generous, right? He's looking over at John. He's like, you're on six. I'm all I'm saying, right? And then Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. When it comes to going into a new season, we we need to understand that God has forgiven us, but we also cannot carry all of our um, anger and unforgiveness towards other people with us into this season. If we want a fresh season, we've got to erase it. One of the greatest things about a school year is that the grades start over. Amen. Right? If you did not do well in a class last year, it does not matter. You're starting fresh this year. Even if you failed a class last year and you have to retake it this year, none of those old grades come with you to the new one. Even if you're retaking something, hear me say this. If you are going into a new season, which will require you to repeat some things that you did not get right the first go round, none of the old things come with you. If you're in a marriage that has had trouble and hardship and you're trying to go into a new season, you cannot bring the old things from that marriage into this new one. And expect things to just roll along smoothly. A new season requires that we put this into place. And this is absolutely hard. Y'all ever tried some erasers that don't do a good job? And you erasing and erasing and it's not going away? And you can still see it? And then it tears the paper? Yeah. It's hard. But it is essential for us to walk into a new season, to be able to let go of the things of the past. Look at our examples that we see in the Old Testament. Those who could not let go of the past did not come into the new promised land. And so, no matter today, if you're walking into a fresh grade, or like I said, a regular Monday, if this is your new season, If you are committing in your mind and you're saying, I'm ready for a new season, set yourself up for success today. Set yourself up for success. Get that eraser out. Ask God to forgive you and help to release you from the weight of bondage and the fears of shame and insecurity and ask God to just erase that from you. And then ask for the strength 
and courage and a good enough eraser to be able to let go of the unforgiveness that we have to other people. You know, forgiving someone doesn't mean inviting them to come with you into the new place. It just means letting go of what happened. So if this is a new season for you, and I pray that it is, I felt in a a sense in my spirit of of a new season. One, um, when we were at camp, I was um, in service. I wrote down this. For our church, I am praying for a church with energy, for individuals with passion, with life, and with light. And then it was like this began to come forward, that the only way that you have energy is if you are weightless. And the only way that you can have passion is if you have a plan. And the only way that you can have life is if you have forgiveness. And then the only way that you can have light is if you begin to focus on the light. And I really believe in so many of our lives, there's a sense of exhaustion because we're running races and they're long. And for some of us, it feels like I didn't know you could go uphill both ways. Like, didn't it seem like we, like you going uphill and then you're like, I surely thought it was like, hey, I made it to the top of the hill. Aren't we supposed to be able to go downhill for a minute? And then you're like, no, it's still going uphill, right? Let me tell you something. (laughs) Sometimes the journey just keeps going uphill for a while and it's exhausting. And so we can still make the decision to say, you know what? I'm going to pause right here. I'm still on this journey and I'm still in this race, but it's time for me to freshen things up. It's time for me to pause and remember why I'm on this journey and where I'm going. So Lord, I'm going to begin to write it down. I'm going to begin to write down the things I want. Young people who are getting ready to go into new seasons of your life. Some of you start in college. We have some starting senior year, some starting college, you know, moving on to other things. Some of them moving from middle school to high school. Let me tell you something. Teachers who have been in it 20 years, take a moment. Where am I going? What do I want out of this new season? Those of you who are retiring, my dad's retiring. God help us. I don't know what he's going to do with his time. Make a plan. Begin to write down, God, what do I want for this season of my life? What is this new season that you have for me? And I may not be starting a new job or a new moment, but I am starting something new in me. Even if I'm still going uphill, I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask God to help me start a new season. Make a plan. Get some erasing done. Guard your words. And then my fourth, and this is where we're going to hang out just for a minute today, and this is where your handout comes into place. One of my favorite school supplies is a highlighter. A highlighter. A highlighter helps you pull out what you really need to see. It helps you focus on what you should really focus on. It's just a little visual cue, right? To get you focused on the right direction. If you're studying, you want to highlight the things that are the most important things to remember. Have any of you ever studied the wrong thing for a test? Like you were like, you studied 
and you were prepared. And then you came out in class and you were like, I don't think I did the right chapter. (laughs) Or I thought the teacher was going to focus on this and instead they focused on that. It's important for us to find something that we are focused on and begin to highlight it. Now, I know people have different opinions about highlighting or writing in your Bible. Listen, however you want to do it, it's fine. But it is important that we interact with the Word of God. And that means more than just reading it, but studying it and beginning to pull from it everything that we can. What's interesting was I was going back through a Bible that I had in 2012, and I was looking at some things I had highlighted, and I was like, what is that? What? Why did I highlight that? Well, at the time, it was essential. At the time, it stood out to me. At that moment, it was what I needed and what I needed to hear. And now as I go back through, it's like different things stand out to me. But we need to begin to interact with the Word of God. If you are wanting to go into a new season, you are going to need the Word of God in your life. There's all all these things now you can get these positive affirmations. And I'm all about speaking good things over your life, you know, like standing in the mirror and being like, you're amazing. You're smart. You can do this. You know, like whatever you got to do to get yourself going in the morning. Hey, I like iced coffee and no words, but you know, to each their own, (laughs) right? But today I want to take us through what I feel like is a, a passage of scripture that could really be essential for us as we go into a new season. And I'm handing it to you today, and you can mark on it, write on it however you want, but here's what I'm going to ask you, is that for the next few days, you are intentional about reading it and making it a prayer. This one chapter from Psalms. It was written by the sons of Korah. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 to start with. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. If we look into this passage and we look at verse, the first two verses there, the words dwelling place, courts, and living God. If we were to write this verse truthfully, not what we're asking for, but as we are today, How lovely is your, what is lovely to us? What is the most lovely thing to us? What would we fill that with today? In verse 2, my soul yearns and even faints for what? What does your soul yearn or even faint for? My heart and my flesh cry out for what? Truthfully and honestly, it's like Mad Libs, right? Put your noun there (laughs) that it goes. If you were to have to write this today, truthfully, where you are in your heart and in your spirit, what would you put there? 
My prayer is that as we begin to read this and as we begin to commit to a new season, that this becomes my prayer. God, I want what really is true to be that your dwelling place, your presence, almighty, is what my heart yearns for, my soul yearns for, even faints for the desire. Your courts is your presence. Listen, dwelling place, courts, these were at that time the actual temple, which was the only place you could get close to the presence of God. And so they were saying, I am longing to be as close to your presence as I can be. And here, now, we don't have to try to wait outside for someone else to carry us into the presence of God. We have access to it at all times. But is it our desire that our soul will yearn and faint for the courts of our Lord, that our heart and our flesh will cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are those who dwell in your presence. If we will begin to really look at these few verses and realize that this is a way for us to reorient ourselves you know, to reorient means, means to adjust our connection to points. And I need to reorient myself, my soul, back to desiring his presence more than anything else. Desiring to be in his presence at all times. And so can we begin to pray in this season In this new season, God, may your dwelling place be the most lovely thing to me, Lord Almighty. In this new season, may my soul yearn and faint from the desire of being in your presence, Lord. May my heart and my flesh cry out only for your presence, living God. May I be blessed for living in your presence. Can that be the prayer that we have that begins to reorient our soul? In verses 5 through 9, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make, a, make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of J- Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Listen to what it says here. Blessed are are those whose strength is in you. They are ever praising you. And those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I'm going to ask you today, where's your strength? Some of you have a nice bank account and a 401k. I'm happy for you. That is not me. My strength has never been in money because I ain't never had none. It's easy to not be <laughs> worry about that. But some people, that is where their strength comes from. And listen, that is a blessing. God has blessed you and provided for you, and that is great. But let me tell you something. Your strength can be in lots of things. If your strength is in a person or in a relationship, that person has been where I get my strength from. That person has been my source of things. Where is our strength coming from? 
If it's coming from your own self, it's going to dry up. It's going to falter and fail. Our strength has to come from him. And listen to what else it says. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a going to meet God. Going to the place to meet him. Remember, they had to actually go to a temple. We have the option every day to pilgrimage towards Jesus. In our prayer, in our Bible, in our time together in worship and teaching, we get the opportunity to pilgrimage towards Jesus. But in a new season, we have to make the choice to acknowledge that that's where our strength comes from. That's where we have to lean and start to go to, is to the Lord. And then I love this, because this is key. In verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make, and if you got a pen or pencil, just circle the word make. They make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca literally means the valley of weeping. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. Listen to what this is saying here. The people who find strength in God, the people who are chasing after the presence of God, those who are dwelling in his presence, those who are longing for him and seeking after him, are they still going to walk through the valley of weeping? Absolutely. But what happens when you are finding your strength in God, your direction and your purpose in God, when you are dwelling in his presence, when you walk through the valley of weeping, the tears are are turned to springs of water because you make them springs. They're strength. When you walk through the valley of weeping without the presence of God, you're just drenched. By sorrow. But when you walk through the valley of weeping with the Lord, in his presence, with his strength, you have the power and the ability to make the weeping springs. And here's what's wonderful. Springs nourish the ground around it. The autumn rains cover it with pools. I want you to think about that today. There's some of you out here, man. Some of you have walked through some challenging things, and some of you are in the midst of challenging things. And I know that you are walking through or have walked through that valley of weeping. But if you will continue even in this new season to acknowledge where your strength comes from, And you will continue to pilgrimage towards Jesus every single day. If you will continue to draw on his presence and cry out for him, I promise you his word is true that we will not be overwhelmed, that nothing can overtake us, and that we will begin to see the pools of weeping turned in to springs of water. There's promise and hope for that. And so as you go into this new season, you may be in a place today where you need to claim verse 6 over your season. God, whatever's happening right now, I'm believing that in this season of weeping, you are going to help me turn it to a place of springs. The last few verses, verses 10 through 12. 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. All you 90s people, it's stuck in your head. You're welcome. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. It was actually Jesus and not Sonic Flood who said it. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. When we dwell in him, when he is our source, we would rather do anything we do with him than without him. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your presence than live in the tents of the wicked. As a teacher, I'm going to tell you right now, I would rather teach in a classroom with the Lord than without. As a parent, I would rather parent with the Lord than without. Do you hear what we're saying here? This is a truth and a statement that it is saying, I am choosing to be in your courts. Better is one day in your presence doing whatever I have to do than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day doing the hardest job there is to do in your presence than a thousand of easy days without you. Better is one day. You know, here's the thing about these sections. In the beginning, it it tells us how to reorient ourselves. And then it begins to tell us how to remake our situation, right? That when we reorient ourselves towards God, then our lives begin to be remade in God, right? And then this last passage begins to refine us. Because once we are in God's presence, once our life is oriented towards him, once we are making our lives over in his image, then he begins to refine us. It says, blessed are those whose lives are blameless. Because the more we are oriented towards him, the more we are making our lives like his, the more he blesses us. Whether it's the first day of school or a regular Monday, you can decide if it's time for a fresh season. And my prayer this year is for energy and passion and light and life to become the words that describe us. That we are infused with those things. May my soul yearn, faint for your presence, God. Now, as we end this today, I mentioned that this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. Korah was swallowed up. Korah decided he knew better than God. He made his own plan. He went completely against the system that God had. And the word of God says the earth was opened up and he was swallowed. And all of his men with him. And so there is this interesting thing. Why would they want to hold on to being called the sons of Korah? <laughs> They'd be like, oh, yo daddy was the one that got swallowed. <laughs> right? <laughs> but see, this is generations from that. This is a, a, a lineage. It's past, you know, it's still with them. They weren't there when that happened. They may not even be, have been biologically his, but they were a part of the group, the Korites, that he was a part of the sons of Korah. Now, does this reframe this for you, this verse, this passage, when you think about what these kids, these young men came from? 
They did not have a lineage of godliness. The opposite. Their family, there was no foundation to stand on. Their foundation was swallowed up. And yet here they are. And listen to verse 11 and 12 from the mindset of men who come from a line that was destroyed, demolished, and swallowed up because of its refusal to follow Christ, to follow God's plan. Listen to their words. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Over the summer when we were at camp, my friend Denise Horn taught a great sermon on Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, who was crippled, could not walk. And yet David, even when everything related to Saul and Jonathan, their whole household of Saul was wiped out. David brought Mephibosheth and restored him and gave him land and servants and everything that he needed. It was not Mephibosheth's fault what had happened to him. He didn't have a say in that. And so David restored him. The sons of Korah, they didn't have any say in where their lineage came from. Right? So listen, you may have a great foundation. I mean, listen, I, I come from a great foundation of faith. I really do. Pastoring churches and preaching is in my blood for generations back. But do you know that every time you build a new layer on a house, you have to make sure you're oriented and the cornerstone is straight, right? Or that foundation that was laid there is useless. So listen, today, whether you come from a great lineage and you have a great foundation of faith in your life, or whether your legacy is like the sons of Korah, your family was swallowed up by sin and sickness and disease and whatever else, Whether you, like Mephibosheth, had your life ripped out from under you without any fault of your own. Here's the thing that we need to know today. Here's the thing that I want you to be confident in. God does not discriminate stories. He blesses those who trust him. Those who dwell in him, who call out to him. He does not discriminate stories. He's looking for those who trust in him. So even your own foundation, if it's out of whack, if you're unoriented, if things haven't been going right, this is your season. This is your season. So pack your backpack. You need a planner. You need a thesaurus. You need a really good eraser. And you need a highlighter. Because if you're going to set out on a new season, you need to be ready for God to do what he's ready to do. So listen, today, as we're closing out, I want to pray over us. Remember I said that this was uh, uh, the basics, right? I was watching um, my son play soccer last night. Surprise, I know for many of you who know me that I was watching one of my kids play soccer. Um, but my husband and I were talking about our son's coach, who's an excellent coach. And when you go to his practices, they do this one drill, this one passing drill, for like ever. And you're like, are they going to do anything else? 
They've literally been kick, run, kick, run, kick, run, kick, like the same little rotation. And then they switch it and they go the other direction. And it's the same thing. And they do it for like 45 minutes. And you're like, are they going to do anything else? Right? But then here's what happens. They get in the game and it's muscle memory. It's all muscle memory. They're in a game, and now instead of being in a group of six boys, they're on a field with all these boys. But guess what happens? Those six who were in that little group for 45 minutes pass to you, catch it, pass to me, catch it, I run here. When I kick it to you, then I run here. You kick it to me, then I kick it to you, and then we run, and it's right? And when you get in the game, guess what happens? Those six boys are boom, 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 and that ball is just going around the field like this. And you're like, wow, how did they do that? Because they just keep doing it. (laughs) Every practice. Every time. They're exhausted by the time it's over. But when the game comes, their muscle memory kicks in. And they're conditioned. And they know. It's so crazy. Edgar knows that Jack's left-footed. So when he passes the ball, he passes to the left side of his body. It's, how do you know that? You do it over and over and over again. And here's the thing I want to tell you today. If you're going into a new season, you got to get the basics down. Because when the life throws something at your left side, if your left side knows, the word of God tells me that when I walk through the valley of weeping, that I can make it into springs. Then boom, I'm ready to kick and move. When life begins to get pressure on me and I begin to feel pulled away, when I can remember, though blessed are those who dwell in the house of the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for you. So, Lord, today, life is throwing this at me, but I'm not, I'm not anxious. I'm going to catch it and receive it and do what I know to do. Because the repetitive nature of my plan tells me how to handle whatever life throws at me. Make a plan for your season and see it through. Because everything that God begins he sees through to completion. Dear Lord, we come before you today, and I thank you so much for just basics. I thank you, God, that really your word is not that complex. You love us, you sent your son, and you've given us a plan. I pray today that our hearts would begin to mirror this verse. May it be the cry of our hearts. May our souls yearn for you and your presence. And may you guide us each and every step of the way. We believe you, Lord, and we ask you for a new season. In Jesus' name, amen.